we hang on to the past sometimes real hard that we miss what's going on in the present. And it may be that if you look back on past holiday seasons, you can very clearly track that your kid was in distress and you didn't know why. And maybe you turned the volume up on the holidays, try to make it better, and it didn't. And now you're seeing that your kid's distress is maybe less. And it's an opportunity to find connection, to reframe things and move forward together and have a shared understanding of, of what the holidays can be. As wonderful as this time of year is, and as much as I love it, even I would have to call BS if we didn't also address some of the very obvious and universal stresses that come with it. There is so much to navigate and pressure to perform or rise to expectations. I mean, half of the Hallmark movies this year are about finding a date for Christmas and the other half are about how awful the lead character thinks going home's gonna be. So in case you haven't caught on, yes, I do find one of the joys of this time of the year to be terrible, cheesy Hallmark Christmas movies, and I'm not sorry about it. In the movies, everything ends perfectly. In life, things usually go a bit different. It's not uncommon for people to feel pressured, resentful, anxious, and depressed at this time of year. Sometimes this is because of family pressure. Sometimes it's our own perfectionism that gets in the way of true joy. And if you're parenting a kid who has come out in the last year or two, you are also dealing with how to navigate this with your extended family. You're listening to Camp Wildheart, your guide for raising a transgender child and nurturing an affirming family. I'm your host slash head counselor, Mackenzie Dunham. Extended family, another coming out. Only this time, your kiddo isn't doing it alone. You're also going to be coming out as the parent of a transgender child, an identity you may have taken a while to be proud of. Maybe you're not proud of it yet. Maybe you'd love nothing more than to pretend this wasn't your reality. And yet somehow you're listening to this. So I must assume that you're also open to the idea of mustering your courage and showing up for and with your child in this next step. Coming out to extended family is almost always a mixed bag. Some people get it, and others won't, don't, or refuse to. It can be incredibly painful for your kiddo, and in a different way, painful for you. Each family has to figure out how to navigate this step for themselves. I've seen families make YouTube videos, do a gender reveal party, send out an email, call each family member individually. In some families, the kiddo does everything. In others, the parents do it all. Just like everything else we've discussed so far, there's no one-size-fits-all model here. Which is why I'm thrilled to have our friend Carmen back with us, along with her husband, Tim. Carmen and Tim have navigated this already and wanted to share their experience with difficult conversations, boundary setting, and supporting each other as they navigate through the tall grass of supporting their transgender kiddo, Kendall. Carmen and Tim are white, upper-middle class, and the parents of three amazing children and two dogs and rats. And I don't think there's other creatures, but there might be. As a reminder, all stories shared by parents at Camp Wildheart are done so with the full consent of their child, and identifying details are altered to whatever point a family requests in order to feel safe sharing their story. So I want to talk about holidays, and I specifically asked to talk to you about holidays because I know that your family has had to make some hard choices around holidays. And so that's 
I want to talk about the hard choices that you have made and why you've made them. Have you changed anything about your holiday rituals because of Kindle? Hmm. Yes. Uh, our family rituals are, yeah. Well, I think there's, there's like what we do on the holidays, yes. like as far as like travel or who we mm-hmm. spend that time with. That's greatly affected. But then also there's our like family yeah. holiday rituals. And that I would have to say that's ebbed and flowed, right? Like our our individual family holiday rituals have definitely we just make a habit of checking in with Kindle and where they're at and specifically like I'm thinking about every year we get our pictures taken with Santa and we've done that since I met Tim. Yeah. We've done that since I was a baby. It's like for me that was a family ritual and there's been some years where kindle is like yeah game on we're putting all those out they're great right and other years kindle has not felt in alignment with putting those pictures out on display and so we don't and so this year in particular when we were setting up holiday decorations i pulled out the drawer of all of our years of family photos with Santa and said, you know, then I I actually asked all the kiddos, what pictures do you feel are right to put out this year? What pictures do you not feel are right to put out this year? It was really interesting because Hadley actually had a few where she was like, duh, I don't like my outfit. Right. And I was like, oh, that's not the point. Your outfit's adorable. (laughs) And then Kindle Kindle chimed in and Kindle was like, I love all of these photos. They're like tiny little time capsules of like all of us over the years and they're fantastic. And this year they decided they wanted them all out and they set them up themselves and like put it all out there. Mm-hmm. It's always an adventure. I mean, the, the pictures last year were a big one. And I think that was, was really hard just to kind of get Kindle to kind of articulate what they were and were not like it was just so awkward because they weren't like no mm-hmm. right but there was clear some awkwardness there but exactly what the awkwardness was was really or being something you kind of had to suss out yeah i think kindle is such an aware child in general that like for them they realized how important this tradition was to us yeah. and they hesitated maybe to really definitively say like this isn't in alignment for me and I don't yeah. feel comfortable with this out there off the cuff. Like it was very necessary for me to be like I'm here to support you and this is important yeah. and it's okay for you to say this doesn't feel right to me right now. Yeah. By by aware you mean that's what I remember too, but aware their awareness of us. Yeah. Like they, yeah. they, they were, their concerns were hard to kind of get at and, and to kind of express. It was mostly about kind of concern for, you know, the routine and the kind of what we'd normally done and what it had impact us. And it was kind of hard to really get clarity where they were. Well, just normalizing it. I think that's what we, li- we shifted into this year in that conversation was instead of just drawing Kindle into that conversation, it was, it was having a conversation as the entire family, right? Mm -hmm. Like allowing all of the kids that 
level of choice and decision making and what what they're comfortable with, like having a conversation with everyone around it. Do you think that Kendall would have been able to voice what they really wanted and needed had you not leaned into it with them and sort of scaffold and guided them to the place where they were able to say, this is where I'm at. Do you think that they would have come to that point on their own? Because I know a lot of parents wait for their kid to sort of come to them and say, like, we're taking our kid's lead. And I feel like if if you had taken Kindle's lead and left it up to Kindle to sort of be the advocate for themselves, knowing how tenderhearted that they are, that they probably would not have come to you on their own and said, hey, this is an issue, but rather just sort of internalized it. Definitely with Kindle, like getting that out there was hard, right? So I think a lot of that had to have been kind of encouraged. I think Kindle is so self-aware and so aware of others and prioritizes others. It's really hard to kind of get them to be, you know, lead with their needs. You know, it would always be kind of what's the right thing to do. What is everybody else doing or kind of... Mm-hmm. I'm sure they would have just happily let things go by default and not said anything, whatever they were feeling. I think that would have been the kind of baseline. That's what I expected. I think it's really interesting the way you framed that question for me in particular, right? Like, because I'm a big advocate of letting my kids lead the way. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot that I'm aware of that maybe would make my kid uncomfortable that, like, I don't I don't want them to just sit in discomfort and internalize that in silence. Like I want I want to be able to say like, "Hey, I know this is potentially uncomfortable for you and I'm here for that conversation." Like I need you to not worry about me or your dad. Like you are our priority here and and what you're feeling and experiencing matters. I, and I don't think that was enough. I don't think that would have covered it. I think you really working to kind of that was where you started. But I think even at that, there wasn't a lot of response. Like certainly interest and appreciation, but it wasn't really like I think you really kind of guided them to a point in which they could really talk about what they wanted. I think that without Carmen guiding them, that would not have probably come out. What you said there was important and kind of received it, but I think you also guided them through that a bit to the point that they can articulate their needs. Because I think even just the ability to say, here's what I wanted was hard to get to. Prioritizing what you want was appreciated, but didn't know what to do with that. And I think you kind of giving them, helping them understand their reactions and kind of understand what they wanted to experience throughout Christmas season was helpful. Something that's always been really important to me as a parent in teaching my kids, regardless of their various identities, is that they are allowed to have boundaries and they're not only allowed, they're encouraged. They are like, like, I will model it for you. I will show you places where you can say, no, this isn't working for me. And and I will stand with you. I will hold your hand and say, yes, I hear you. Thank you for offering me that. 
but also like speaking their needs, right? But like, I I want you to speak your needs. I I want you to speak your boundaries, and I will honor that for you. And so, culturally, I don't think people are often modeled boundaries. <laughs> oh no, or, yeah. not right? in, like, not in American yeah, culture. Sure. No, not in American speaking culture. Our needs, right? Right. No, mm-mm, you're not supposed to have yeah. those. Why is it so important to you? Why why did you and Tim choose to say boundary setting and speaking our needs is something that's really important and a lesson we want to teach our kids throughout their entire lives? I I mean I think this it's a foreign concept to me that I'm learning. <laughs> so I think like, <laughs> like I, I can't say that I'm like it's just kind of like, oh, whoa, that's one way to see the world. That's okay. Um, so, I, you know, I'm just kind of absorbing it. So I, don't, I can't say I'm being super deliberate, but it's been important. But it certainly wasn't something that I kind of grew up with or kind of had like a in you know a learned comfort zone there. That was not like kind of where I. It was not warm and familiar for me. Let's say. I love uh, the idea that you can learn that skill in a parallel way with your kids, you know, and how cool and how like just such a vulnerable process, but also the most authentic way of modeling, right? Like I am literally learning this with you right in front of you. We're doing it together. I'm going to screw it up. You're going to screw it up. That's okay because none of us are perfect. So I think it's a really cool message for all parents, right? We're all learning this as we go. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting to me because like even you were just downstairs and you were talking to the kids, Tim, and I don't even know what you said or the details of it, but all I heard you say was, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, thank you for that Mm -hmm. correction. Thank you for that, for offering me that, you know? I think with the kids, it's like, they'll call you on it. And Mm -hmm. I think for the kids, (laughs) they're like... Yeah, they they really catch inconsistencies. So there's that. But I think it's also so practical with kids, <laughs> right? It's so applicable with kids. Like you watch them bicker for a, for a few minutes, and you're like, "All right, time for some tools." <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know, like you know, I don't know. So that's our job, right? To yeah. show them like their needs and their boundaries. Well, it impacts and those you too. If you don't, and those relationships. A, yeah, it's a shit show you have to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> so true uh, they're the best yeah. teachers because you're like yeah. neck deep in it right <laughs> you're, you can't ignore it because yeah. <laughs> it literally oh, screams no. at you <laughs> yeah and back to your original point about like guiding kindle through a saying whether they wanted our christmas pictures up or displayed or not right I do think they needed that assurance, that permission, that reinforcement that like they are seen, they are valued, they are heard, this matters. It wasn't like it was just one simple conversation. And I think that's what Tim was talking about, right? Like it was, it was, it was real. It was authentic. And it was, no, this matters. And I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. And I want to do right by you. And that's important because I love you. Yeah. Well, and also help help them understand what's important and like because i think that we just like well not disrupting the family is important right but yeah but you know like i think just helping them work through that and kind of what they specifically push their needs kind of back pretty far so i think that that's also a personality thing some kids are probably more forthright with what they want but for kindle it's very hard for them to kind of disrupt others for what was made them more comfortable mm-hmm. Like just that yeah, they've grown a lot, I think, in that in the last year. 
I agree. Got a lot of practice. Um, How did your extended family respond when Kendall came out and new pronouns were presented and a new gender was presented to them? My family, my brother and his family specifically, my brother has told me that he is, he's all logic and no emotion. And that if I wanted emotion, I needed to speak to his wife. And so I felt like this was a pretty emotional subject. And I wanted it to, you know, land on softer ears first because I knew Mm -hmm. that my brother and his family have very specific Christian values Mm -hmm. that I was skeptical of. Mm-hmm. And having the conversation around Kindle transitioning and Kindle coming out. And she's always been the more kind of. She's a social I w- worker. I would expect. Right. Your brother was like really hard to know, but kind of had a lot of optimism. He's just for a hard her. dude. He had a lot of optimism mm-hmm. for her. I had more hope with her. More. More, yeah. <laughs> than I did for him. Okay. And I called her and I said, hey, this is what's going on. I want to give you a heads up. Like, and she immediately, like, the thing in that conversation that sticks out to me the most is is her response was, we don't believe God makes mistakes. Hmm. And I was really sad and hurt by that and, you know, said that I wasn't interested and having some philosophical religious conversation with my brother about it, it wasn't up for debate, and I wasn't interested in their harmful religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. And reflecting back on it, I think they received that as an attack on them. But that's what what do we call that, Mackenzie? Shame shield. Yeah, right. This little little shame shieldy. And so then, what did you do next? What was the next move? I knew that I needed to have a conversation with my brother that I I was not super excited about and ended up having that conversation with my brother and you know that dynamic with an older sibling? Mackenzie, do you have older siblings? You do, I do. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have two older you're brothers. Like, you know that you're going into this conversation and you're like, fuck. Like, I actually am not really super interested in what you have to say here, either a yes or a no to what I'm asking of you. Yeah. And I, I'm not really in, interested in getting into the weeds of it. I was not excited about this conversation, pretty nervous about it. He has a tendency to really dominate conversations. So anyway, got on the phone with him, was basically like, where are you at? Are you a yes or no? Are you going to be able to honor honor my kin- my kid's gender? And he was like, no, I'm not. But I really need to tell you why. And I was like, mm. well, I really am not interested in why I – it was it was a very painful conversation. Yeah. He was very, very, very angry. Yeah. I fortunately was walking with a friend of mine who happened to be a therapist that day. <laughs> and 
she was very helpful and supportive of me because I was pretty shook up after that conversation. You took a good month before you talked to your brother. Like, it was really not until okay. that final confrontation that you talked to your brother again, I believe. I, I remember you just kind of being the, done. That conversation with my brother happened in the spring. And so in the spring, we knew where my my brother and his family were coming from. They were They were a no to honoring Kindle's pronouns. They were a no to honoring Kindle's gender. And they were a no to talking to their kids about it. Yeah. So we just right. totally disengaged pretty much. Bottom line. And right. so we stopped talking. We were like, okay, we're done. Like, this isn't going to work for our family. We- My kid has very real valid needs for being loved and for being in relationship with you. And you- if you can't meet those needs, then bye. Like. Mm-hmm then we can't be in relationship with each other. Right. It's a very clear sort of like we talk about boundaries. What we're really saying, right, is what's okay and what's not okay. And Mm -hmm. I've always loved the way that you have presented boundaries to your family, which is these are our needs. Are you a yes or a no? And giving them the opportunity to say, yes, we're in or no, we're not. And then that's it. So you had set had a very difficult conversation that was boundary setting, Really saying, like, this is what's okay. Are you willing to do that? Yeah. Nope. And so you had already known. Yeah. And I smile when you say that because in the process of that conversation, I had literally said, these are our boundaries. Mm-hmm. And my brother got incredibly angry with me and said, these are not boundaries. Boundaries are mutually agreed upon by both parties. And I incorrect. said, oh. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Say that again, Mackenzie. Uh, in- incorrect. Mm-hmm. Right. Incorrect. <laughs> I think it was not a very stable and steady thing afterward. It was like, I think Carmen in- had created a boundary, but really it was just kind of don't talk, right? Like Because it wasn't really settled it was more of a truce and more of a i'm not talking to him for a while kind of situation and and just clear that we need our space from each other because the conversation that we had it was Mm so it was so emotional he was just all over you i honestly remember coming home and and looking at tim and saying i can't have a conversation with my brother without you present from here on out Mm. so it was just kind of was sloppy but did what it needed to do but it was really just kind of separation and then we just kind of formalized it around the holiday season. So um, let's fast forward then to the holiday season. Historically, you have traveled to see family and or family has come to visit, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so obviously not this year as it is COVID and nobody saw anybody. Um, Which, honest to God, was maybe a blessing in its own way for us. Because <laughs> you didn't, didn't have to, to have deal with the arguments. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a number of families who are sort of grateful for that this year. But 2019 Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. how did you navigate? Well, what was the invitations? Let's start there. What were the invitations for 2019 Thanksgiving? I had told my parents around the same time that you talked to your brother, right? I, I believe yeah. that was the case. So I don't honestly remember how it all was kind of disclosed and kind of managed, but I remember it being, I think, I think you talked about boundaries and yeses and nos. I think the hardest thing with my parents were just kind of 
what does a yes mean and what does a no mean? Kind of getting that clarity because they were very, well, we can get, we'll go through it because it was just kind of very, they were very ambiguous and, yeah. and in lots of ways that I think were, would have been really harmful because they wanted, they didn't want to say no, but they were saying no. You know, at first, my parents tend to react really strongly about, you know, things like nose piercings and stuff. So they were, you know, we were kind of geared up for a strong reaction. And, and I believe, I've kind of no memory of this, of what the actual event, but I do remember it being kind of like, they did pretty good on a sliding scale, right? Like they didn't freak right. out. They accepted it. They were, they didn't immediately kind of turn back whatever their experience was. So they were, they just were kind of like, okay. And we kind of left it at that. And I, Cause I think it was more, I did it more of as an inform, I think like, let's not talk about this. Here's what you need to know. Got it. We'll, we'll regroup later. And, you know, everyone was supportive nominally. But I don't, I, I think I've learned not to trust that. And I think, I think somebody who's like, yeah, on board, it, it was, it was helpful. And I think Carmen was the one who encouraged it, but just to kind of be explicit about what being okay meant. And, and I think like, you know, pronouns, you're not going to kind of talk about alternatives. You know, there's a lot of stuff out there and kind of just kind of going through some things and kind of making sure that they are actually going to be supportive and have an honest relationship and not just be kind of like bare minimum or be like, well, that's weird, but I can learn to be in the same area. Right. But making sure it wasn't going to be something that weird beliefs were going to come up. Um, I mean, cause I think it's important to say that like one of the first things that came out of your mom's mouth was suggesting well, conversion therapy. Well, my mom, so my mom, like my parents are the worst one that I was worried about. I think that, and your encouragement to kind of be explicit with my siblings was the first step and kind of understanding what they were cool with and making sure. And I don't know, again, my family was all just vaguely okay with it. But then I was like, again, I think Carmen got me thinking about what does that actually mean? What is that going to look like? How's it going to be practiced? And even that's, you know, my siblings are all okay, but you know, these holidays, how's it going to work? What, who goes where? What do they do? We're not going to be there. Are we going to be there? That was a whole kind of awkwardness that was all unclear. And my parents were like, we really want to get together. And so that began a kind of process of like really thinking about what we needed from them. Because I think it was, it was a bunch of couple of ambiguous answers from my parents. You know, yes, I'm okay with that. Okay. Well, we kind of ended up centering on when you're in the presence of Kindle, how will you refer to them? And kind of really homing in on that question. Mm. And because because it was just kind of like, no, let's be in the room together. What do you say? And because there was just a lot of ambiguity there and a lot of kind of all referred to their proper pronouns. You're like, what words are you going to say? And so kind of the... Your dad never. Well, so, and it, so, so it ended up being a series of two or three calls with my dad. To just kind of grind it out. And it was just me and my dad. And because we had been kind of podcasting together before too, but it was just like, you know, we're going to sit down for an hour and kind of work through this a little bit and see how this is going to work out. It took a little bit of preparation, I, just in the sense of like really getting Carmen to kind of, I, I think for me, scripts were helpful, but not scripted, but just kind of like, what are the important things to cover? What's the kind of, what's the nut of it? And what, what are the things I need to know? So Carmen, being able to kind of work with Carmen to that was very helpful because otherwise, because I think the first call was very kind of, we're nice, 
and friendly and vague and didn't really get in didn't get really get i think i ended up with pretty inconclusive answers when i got out of the call and being like what did we decide right and it was just kind of like it was it was a nice it was a, it was a cordial call but we didn't really mm-hmm. accomplish anything we didn't really know where it was going from and of course i didn't realize that until i'm like carmen's like how did it go and i'm like what concrete real things came out of it not much and that was very easy to do. I think that that happens a lot for families. You know, when you go in to have these conversations with families, and not just around gender, right? They, they happen around all kinds of different subjects, right? Mm-hmm. We are excellent at being polite and not communicating anything. Yeah. So it's very important, just as Carmen sort of helped you do, to get really specific um, about what you're asking. Yeah, I don't think I would have come to that specificity without having Carmen help kind of get pushed to that because I would have just been like, "You'll be cool, right? I'll be cool. Done." And and, and oftentimes yeah. people want to be cool and they think they're being cool, but they don't even yeah. know oh, yeah. how oh. awful they might be being. And then once, then the big tell is once you correct them and help them understand what is in fact awful. So my parents really came to the solution of saying. We're just not going to use pronouns. And, mm. and, and at first that seemed like a pretty, okay, well, that's palatable. You avoid the problem. They don't have to do anything. But it was like, just trying to think it through with Carmen was like, that's, that's nuts. That's not at all going to work. Like, again, you're going to slip up. What are you going to do then? You know what I mean? It kind of came through that of like being like, so when, when you mess up, what are you going to do? And, and kind of my dad not willing to correct himself was like, well, you're not. This is not workable because I think saying saying the wrong gender and not correcting yourself like that. Like, what do you think is happening? Also, yeah. not willing to receive correction. Yeah, I think we're just saying sorry. Even is that's bullshit. The that's steps in these conversations for us, for me, for 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 really understanding where someone's coming from, and and how they will ultimately receive my child in the fullness of their being in their transition and they're coming out right like that's a it's a fragile stage and oh yeah i mean i i'm not fucking around with those people right so i'm i'm here and i'm willing to get really uncomfortable and be like hey so this is this is what i expect of you number one you are going to use and honor their gender and their pronouns you're going to use their pronouns you're going to honor their gender Cool. Or are you a yes right. to that? Right. This oh, you are. Good okay. Filter. Great. Question two. This is a kicker, and this is a hot. This is so tricky for so many people in our culture. Is when you screw up, how will you receive correction, and how will you respond to that? Because mm-hmm. so much of it, right, is is about teaching people not to make their mistakes about themselves it's it's i'm so sorry they are blah 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 right and correcting yourself and moving on and not making a big deal out of it but like receiving that correction saying thank you noting it in your mind for the gift that it is and not Mm -hmm. making it into something Mm -hmm. huge right right and i think i think that ended up being the real that was so hard for so many people but i think that's the right way into it in the end because everyone was like well i have this workaround i have this strategy 
you know, I can. I'm just I can not gonna. This. I'm just gonna use their name. Yeah. Or I'm. I'm just uh-huh. not gonna. I'm use just gonna avoid them at all. Mm-hmm, I'm yeah. gonna avoid. avoid it. I'm and, gonna and avoid I was it. Like, yeah. And they're like, well, you know, we can all have different beliefs and still coexist, right? And and I think that that's alluring and appealing. And you're like, you know, that, that's you know, I think you you trick yourself into thinking that's an answer, right? Mm-hmm. Well, because it is an answer, right? Like you can, you know, that is a potential plan. But I think what Carmen's approach was so incredibly helpful because it's like. What happens when that doesn't work out? And what, what's, you know, th- that is not going to work out at some point. And how are you going to handle that? I think that was the the litmus test at the end of the day to kind of how they could navigate that situation and why we want our family to, to get together and we want to keep it comfortable. Yeah. And we'll do whatever it takes. And that's, that's, Kimmel doesn't need whatever it takes. Kimmel needs what they need. And, you know, if you're going to, and we want to keep it yeah. comfortable, Carmen, you said it, and we want to keep it comfortable. For everyone else, mm-hmm. but not the person who's the most vulnerable and fragile. I mean, I think it's important that in the midst of this conversation, we step back and, and again, we go back to boundaries, right? This is Kindle's identity. This is who Kindle is. And we love that. And my goal is to love them so much and so well that they know their own value and their own worth unequivocally. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm happy to be that filter, right. That Mm -hmm. says, Hey, are you, are you ready to show up? Are you ready to get uncomfortable? Mm -hmm. Because showing up in a meaningful way means being willing to get uncomfortable and to sit in that discomfort. And I I know that it's not going to be sunshine, lollipops and rainbows all the time, right? Like you, you, you got to dig in, you got to be willing to do the work. You have to be willing to sit in the muck, in the mud and cry with your child and hold them when it really fucking hurts. And then to, you know, stand up and reach your hand down and be like, I got you. Yeah. You know, and sometimes that looks like saying no to family members who aren't willing to do that work, to sit in that discomfort, to get dirty. Yeah. You know, you and I have talked about this a lot before in various contexts about the whole aspect of people sort of chasing the sunshine and rainbows, chasing the happiness and not being willing to swim in the struggle and to find joy in the struggle, which sounds like a very paradoxical sort of way of looking at life. But that's truly, I think like once you can do that, you can do anything. I remember a conversation with Kendall right after last Thanksgiving or right around Thanksgiving last year. Um, where Kendall was had had a call with your parents, Tim, and like they just, were making videos. Yeah, that's what it was. They were making videos to send to Kendall, right? Yeah. And Kendall that was, a was like, for a period of time, yeah. And Kendall was like, "I don't want to watch these." Right? Like they could tell. Nothing. Like this is weird. This does not feel yeah. good to me. This is not okay. No. They they definitely did not want to ruin. You know, like like they would have been like. I don't know if they said that ever, but I know that kind of like, I guess I can go through all that. Like there, it was. What are you talking about? With with like my family and stuff like that. Like I don't think that, like, 
Kindle, if we had put it to them to make that decision, I don't think oh. they would have, you know, for my sake, we're not, not hang out with everybody. Oh, um, I completely agree with you, Tim. I think yeah. that if you'd have left it up to Kindle, Kindle would have been like, no, let's just go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kindle, that would have been the most expedient thing. And Kindle is super perceptive, and all the kids are super perceptive. They knew this was out there, right? They knew roughly what was going on with my folks. Like, they were playing along. They were kind of aware, but they weren't really kind of getting into it. They're aware of like bad vibes. And then the, and I think Kindle would have been happy to leave it there and let all these kind of fears be there, though, right? Like, it was all these kind of things that were there, but Kendall was happy to kind of explore that necessarily. We were asking to explore that. Uh, but then I think once we had the time with your brother, we kind of realized the need to be more explicit with my parents specifically, like a boundaries conversation, like really explicitly mapping out kind of what's important, what do we need. It was a very explicit yeah. and intentional conversation with Tim's parents and then yeah. but with me and, my brother. Me and you wife. had this conversation about the specifics of it and really getting grounded in that. And then Kindle kind of wandered in and kind of got oh. their stuff sorted out. And then that kind of ended up being really easy to kind of create a explain, you know, have everybody in the family talk about it. So if I'm going to put together like some takeaways here for families who may be listening, parents who may be listening, <laughs> it sounds like getting really clear on your own boundaries, what your needs are as a family, helping to scaffold your kid, give them permission and support to tell you what's okay and not okay. And to know that the first time you have that conversation with them is not going to be enough. A modeling that needs to yeah. be ongoing. And then having the courage to have those conversations with your family members and then getting really specific mm -hmm. around what's going to happen when you're corrected and yeah. when you mess up. Yeah. And then once you've got that down, figuring out if their answers meet the need and then determining whether or not you're going to move forward with being with them in a physical way or having to set some boundaries and work work towards that. Love them from afar. That's what I always say. Love them from afar. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to love you from over here. It's, mm -hmm. it's where I can continue to love you. It's from over here. <laughs> yeah. Carmen and Tim really had to dig deep and engage in some difficult conversations with their family about holidays and supporting their kid. What it ultimately came down to for them was having to get clear about what their boundaries were and have the courage to set and hold them. In the simplest terms, boundaries are what's okay and what's not okay. Boundaries are about yourself and how you want to be treated. They're not about the behavior of others that does not impact us. That's different. That's control. And they do not have to be agreed upon in order to be respected. Boundary setting with family is just one important aspect of your journey this holiday season. I've invited Jess Guerrero back to join us, and the two of us talk about the questions and advice we've given families over the years as they navigate this time. In case you've forgotten, Jess is a social worker in a transgender health clinic at a major medical institution. They've worked in community mental health and with trans youth for more than a decade. What do you suggest for families who have, this is their first year with a kid who's come out, so their first year knowing, that they've got a trans kid, where would you encourage them to start? 
with trying to make this holiday season affirming and joyful for their kid. I know often in this work, we say, don't expect your kid or don't expect the trans person to, to do the education. But this is where I, I feel like I like to call it contracting as an ally, right? And it, it starts at home and kind of thinking through thinking through the environment and recognizing that there may be different um, relics <laughs> left over from a previous name or pictures or whatever. And I, I just want to also acknowledge that this could be a painful conversation for a parent or mm-hmm. caregiver where they might be a little bit in the grief and loss place and the idea of putting or of not putting a particular ornament on the tree or, you know, hanging a stocking or whatever. And I recognize that we're talking about Christmas, but of course there are other winter holidays where that might come up. And so it's not a time for caregivers to process that grief and loss in front of their kid. I think probably a theme that you'll hear throughout this episode is, is support, 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 and, mm-hmm. you know, finding a buddy to get through the season, another parent who might be in a similar place to reach out to when the feelings get, get big. So that's kind of parent side of the equation. And, and then, if you don't have yeah. a buddy, can I just say, mm-hmm. that's what Camp Wildheart is for. So reaching out to Camp Wildheart and reaching out to the other listeners through the appropriate channels, because we are here to support you. That's what we're absolutely, here for. Absolutely. Okay. And so then it's about checking with your kid and, and seeing what is going to, what visuals are going to be helpful, what visuals are going to be hurtful or painful and kind of working through together a strategy around that. Um, so that's part one. And I know we're going to dive into gift giving a bit. Uh, and if that is part of your practice or celebration, then gifts can be a signal of turning the corner or, Hey, I see you. Um, or I don't entirely get this, but I want to support you however I can. It can be incredibly meaningful. Um, you know, I have many folks that I've worked with who you know, might talk about how their parents got them their first chest binder for Hanukkah and everyone cried and hugged and, and it was great. And, and then part three is thinking about how to manage extended family. And again, this is where contracting as an ally to your kid is going to be important. It's no one's business, but your kids to tell, and they might need some assistance thinking through how to do that. And then they might need backup at a gathering. And I think this year is particularly interesting, shall we say, Um, because we're forced to stay home. I will say that that has certainly reduced some anxiety for some of the folks that I work with because they're like, oh, yeah, I don't have to drive eight hours where there's no escape and bad internet and bad cell service and sit in this place potentially in clothes that don't feel good to me where everyone's just kind of like looking at me or some people know and some people don't. Anyway, these are all the anxieties. Can I just add to that, that if you're, if you do end up seeing extended family and say your kiddo has only recently come out 
um, to you, then they might not be ready to tell their whole family. And that doesn't mean that they aren't sure about who they are. Those two things do not equal each other. And to give your kid as much space as they ask for on that, right? So if they say like, but I'm not ready to tell grandma, believe them that they're not ready to tell grandma. And that doesn't mean because I don't know who I am, right? That that just means I'm not ready to tell grandma because there's a lot of fear and anxiety about telling people, particularly people who are older, even though I have said many times and believe firmly that there's age is not an excuse to be a bigot. Kids tend to anticipate that older relatives are not going to understand. And so it becomes scarier and scarier to come out to other people in the family, if they, especially if they know that they have said homophobic things or transphobic things in the past. Yes. Very important point. And piggybacking off that, just thinking about how long it may have taken them to tell you. Mm-hmm. And then we're, you know, a month, three months, six months out from that and faced with a holiday that carries a lot of weight for people and a lot of expectations and traditions and a particular idea of what individuals in the families, in, in the family, what their roles are. And someone can absolutely still occupy the same role that they had before, but sometimes the reaction is like, oh, the sky is falling, everything is changing. That's why I say parents, caregivers need their support people too, because you are likely going to be doing most of the emotional lifting here. Unless your kid is like, no, let me be the one to step forward and make the declarations and set the boundaries. And even the most confident, assured kids that I've worked with over the years need support in order to do that. Yes. And they might be real solid in the moment, but might need some some comfort or some care later after the fact. Okay, so let's talk for a minute about relics. So as a parent myself, and one who has grown up with Christmas in particular, as the holiday that my family has celebrated, and in full force, we are Christmas people right? Like, I remember big giant trees, I remember singing, and I remember baking, and like, generations would gather, and we would do these things. And it was like the one of the only times that my whole family was in the same space. And I remember those fondness. And so now as a parent, you know, I've got my kids, and I am just overjoyed to sort of share the traditions with them and pass things down. And like having kids has made the holidays way more fun, because it turns out, Adult holidays, a different kind of fun. But parent holidays with young kids in particular, like I have, are really, really fun. And pulling out every ornament and being like, oh, you made this in kindergarten. And pulling out the, it's your first Christmas ornament. And pulling out their stockings. And I pull out my stocking that has my name knitted across it that my grandmother made when I was born. Right? So there's a lot of history And relationships. And relationships, right? Connections, right? And I think about and know from experience the pain of pulling out 
stockings for kids that have pulled out stockings and see the name that they were given at birth on it. And all that joy just sort of just gets ripped away. And of course, that's not every kid's story, right? Like, No, but I think that that's important too, right? Like, mm-hmm. there is not a one-size-fits-all gender journey. No. Nor right? is like there some kids... a single playbook for the holidays. <laughs> Absolutely not, right? So some kids may pull out their stocking and be like, yeah, this was me. Like, I made this, and it's got my birth name written right on it, and like, whatever. That was who I was. I'm just going to add my new name on here, too, and like go forth and conquer but that's not every kid right and it's okay if that's not your kid so i think that one of the the coolest things that i've seen over the years and at wild heart society we actually we didn't do it this year thanks covid but we normally would host a an ornament remaking and a stocking Mm -hmm. remaking party for kids to come parents included to literally recreate like these memories they could bring these, this, yeah. like these the puzzle piece ornament that's like the puzzle pieces are all painted green and your pictures in the middle like the baby's first christmas like we make it's a boy ornaments or it's a girl ornaments with the year you came out on them. <laughs> um it's really fun so there are ways to really show your kid i see you and i'm here for it And just because these were our memories doesn't mean we can't treasure them and treasure you and who you are. And we can still be on this journey together. Yeah. And now we know each other a little bit better. And parents, you might create yourself a little keepsake box that's like for you and not for your kid. Yep. That's also part of your history as well. Right. And Okay. And then, so how, let's talk for a second about gift giving, if that's part of your traditions, which is not a part of everybody's. So I asked a bunch of kids this week as I was going through, I said, Hey, I'm going to talk about holidays. What do you suggest? What do you really want parents to know? You know, and they of course had like, buy, buy your kid, all (laughs) the Nintendo switch games. And (laughs) because teenagers are still just teenagers. (laughs) That's right. At the end of the day, they're still just teenagers all about themselves. But they also said things like, it was really cool when we went to my grandparents' house and my mom snuck into the room with the presents on it and relabeled them. Like she brought labels, the to and from labels and like slapped on a new one with my name. And that was, there was no, she knew my parents, my grandparents wouldn't make a thing of it, but she also knew that they weren't going to write the right name on there so she came prepared and handled it i think that's an important an important point because i think when people consider advocating or showing up or affirming their kid in the face of relatives that you know you don't know where they stand or they're ambivalent or they're just straight up not supportive it doesn't have to be confrontational it could be as simple as that right modeling behavior to other people and kind of saying like, Hey, you're on notice here, but it doesn't have to be a big thing. And if it turns into a big thing, then you just be like, cool, we're going to go. Cause that's not what this holiday is about. Like, that's not where we came here. We didn't come here, but we came here to spend time with you and because we love you and we love our family. And that's why we're here. And my kid thought that it was important enough that your relationship with, with them is important enough that they wanted you to know. Yeah. 
I always come back to, it always comes back to when kids are brave enough to tell people in their lives who they really are, that it's an invitation. You know, it's an invitation for you to, to know them in the most authentic way. And they don't have to tell you this. I mean, it's, I feel like at some point it becomes really painfully obvious, but they still don't have to tell you. And them telling you is really an invitation. So Absolutely. Anyway, gift giving. And yeah, you, ask, you ask the kids. So they said, get, get your kids something that's really affirming or something that they really want that has to do with their gender. And to think about gift giving to them the way you would your cisgender, their cisgender siblings, right? In, in a lot of ways, right? So if you're going to buy your daughter a makeup palette and your daughter's by your other daughter, yeah, buy your other daughter a makeup palette, right? Mm-hmm. Like, go into it. Yeah, I was gonna say that said, try not to sort of force uh, very rigid or stereotypical interests or whatever onto your kid. Like, if yeah, your I kid, mean, it should still be like unique to your kid. Yeah, like if your kid has never shown an interest in sports but comes out as transmasculine, showing up with a football might not actually do it. I mean, I think the message is still like, I see you, but they'll pro- probably laugh at you. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, I think they probably would laugh at you and be like, yeah. thanks, is there a receipt for this? Yeah. Because I still don't like sports. Because <laughs> I really want that anime thing. Yeah, <laughs> really bad. Yeah. Okay, so really trying to make gifts that are in alignment with who they are, that you know about all their other interests, right? That's one thing. But then gender affirming gifts, in the show notes, we will post some links to some pages that have plenty of gift giving ideas. But there's lots of stuff like there's lots of really cool trans affirming and LGBTQ plus affirming gear in the world. I just bought myself a really fun Hamilton themed LGBTQ plus pride mask and t-shirt that match. I mean, I also have a problem with musical theater. So it's, (laughs) it's not a problem. It's not a problem because it's the best. But you can find it pretty much anywhere now, which is great. So knowing if your kid is into pride stuff, or if you want to just show them that you see them getting something that's in, in pride colors. But there are plenty of lists out there, and we can probably put some in the show notes about queer and trans artists or businesses to support. And sometimes even more meaningful or important is thinking about an experience. So maybe you say, when pride is a thing again, my gift to you is going to be going to pride with you, marching with you. Mm -hmm. Or my gift to you is to start volunteering with the local queer youth drop-in center. And that is symbolic. And it can be something that I think joins the two worlds. And potentially your 15, 16 year old might completely roll their eyes, but inside, inside they'll be like, their heart grows three sizes that day. Oh, yes. (laughs) Are you referring to me? No, I'm referring to the Grinch. No, I know. I used to call myself the Grinch. I worked retail, you know. (laughs) I also worked retail, but guess what? I still love Christmas. I'm I'm loving Christmas actively. I'm glad you're actively loving it. Yes, there it's like there are several vomited all over my house. Yeah, I really I, love Christmas. It's great. 
I don't so much have that, but I made ornaments with my kit. And if you had told me I'd do that five, six years ago, I would have told you, no way. So anyway, parenting changes things. And it does. Having, and having healthy relationships and positive connections also changes things. And, and I think that's my plug too about, you know, we hang on to the past sometimes real hard that we miss what's going on in the present. This is an opportunity to, to make new memories as cheesy as that sounds. But like, if your kid isn't as worried about your reaction or having to see their birth name or what great aunt Susie is going to say, maybe they come out of their Christmas shell too. And it can start being a point of connection rather than a point of pain. And it may be that if you look back on past holiday seasons, you can very clearly track that your kid was in distress and you didn't know why, and you were lost in the wilderness and maybe you turned to the volume up on the holidays to try to make it better. And it didn't. And now you're seeing that your kid's distress is maybe less, but they're worried and they're anxious about what's going to come out of that box. And it's an opportunity, I think, to, to find connection, to reframe things and move forward together and, and have a shared understanding of, of what the holidays can mean. In the interview with Carmen and Tim, you know, they talked about the process that they went through to set some boundaries. And the Littman's test that they came up with was checking with family about how are you going to respond when you are corrected after you mess up? Mm-hmm. Not don't mess sort up. Sort of giving, yeah. not don't mess up, but like you're going to mess up. Mm-hmm. How are you going to recover? And so their family's response of like, oh no, we're not going to, no, I'm not, no, you're, they can't correct me. They can't do that. Like that was their sort of like, line in the sand. So for other families who maybe are trying to navigate that, do I need to draw a line? Do I not need to draw a line? So I guess my thought is for a lot of parents, because I've, I've had this discussion with a lot of parents trying to figure out like grandma's not going to be able to do it. Grandpa's not going to be able to do it. Or half of our family will, half of our family won't. We're really nervous. We don't know what to do. Or even further in there, it's like the parents stuff of like being this people pleaser with their kid or with their family, right? The sort of having to challenge their initial role in their family and having to be the one to make waves is a really difficult thing. And so one of the comments that I get a lot is, well, they should just know. They should know that this is hard for people. They should know that people are going to get it wrong. They should know that some people just can't understand. They can't wrap their head around it and they should just accept that. And, you know, deal. And I'm going to wonder this out loud to you, Jess, as well as to anybody else who's listening. How would those parents respond if their family misgendered their cisgender kids? Right. It, they, it wouldn't fly. No. Wouldn't fly. Like, what, yeah. what are you doing? And I want to encourage parents to think about how would I respond to that question? You know, if I would say to my cisgender kid, like, yeah, man, they just Suck don't have yeah. good memories. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Your fault for cutting your hair short. Right. Or would you say to that person in your family, like, dude, what's wrong with you? Why would you do that? I just want you to think about sort of what your initial reaction to that would be as a listener. 
as well as what are their issues, what other things are at play, if and when you recognize that your reaction to that question is different. different. One strategy that I often talk with families about is sort of giving, if, if the young person is okay with it, giving some lead time. You know you're going to be there in three weeks. You send an email, you send a letter, reintroducing your kid, outlining what the expectations are, doing it from a place of love and trying to educate. And then if you are in a family system where you feel like there has to be some hard lines, making that be known. Because then it gives the other side, receiving the information, again, they're now on the train with you and you've gotten a head start and your kid has gotten an even further head start. Again, think about where you were at when your kid came out and the feelings that came up for you and then imagine that for the relatives. Now, we can have compassion, we can have understanding, and we still have to be an advocate, a protector, an accomplice for our kids. And that's that's a hard tension to hold. So I just want to acknowledge that. It also doesn't have to be serious. I think a lot of times we're just like wringing our hands and and it feels like so much is at stake and there's we have this one shot and I fall prey to this all the time. Like when I do outreach to folks, I'm like, I have this one shot to get them to schedule, right? That automatically turns the temperature up, right? Like I'm already going in anxious. <laughs> and so I don't have all of my tools and thinking and analytical skills available. And I'm potentially going in in a way that my defenses are already up. And so if your kid is like, yeah, let's have some fun with this. Like I'm not a proponent of gender reveal parties. Please don't anyone mistake that. But like maybe you go in and pop a balloon and you're like, here's Jimmy. And then if you send written communication ahead of time, put a follow up in and say, I want to give you a couple weeks, but I'm going to give you a call a week before we're supposed to see you. And I can answer any questions you have, and we can talk about this further. Now, they might duck your calls. This may happen. But it then gives you an opportunity to sort of do a temperature test or check before you are physically in the environment. Well, is there anything else that we want to make sure that we include in this particular episode? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the the first is, you know, we're, we're putting plugs in for support. And there's a reason for that. This time of year is hard. It's hard for a lot of people with the weather changes just alone. And then all the emotion that comes up around the holidays. And this has been a particularly hard year for a lot of people. And I want to recognize that there are likely folks listening who will have empty seats at their tables because of COVID, because of suicide, because of severed relationships because of any other disease or illness that take the lives of, of, of the folks we love. And so there is a heaviness when the narrative is that it should be the most wonderful time of the year. And it's also the time of year where people who typically provide support are taking time off to be with their loved ones too. And so access to therapists might not be as open, or your time slot might be gone, or your group might be on hiatus. And again, I 
do think one of the silver linings of COVID is that there has been a lot more activity around virtual communities. And so figuring those out and connecting with those if, if you need them and knowing that as a sort of last resort, but Trevor Project, they have a 24-hour, 24-7 hotline, text line, and you don't have to be suicidal to utilize them. And I think that can be meaningful. And then Transgender Lifeline as well. And for folks on the West Coast, their operators are available, I think, 7 a.m. to 1 a.m. So there's a period of time where there isn't some available. So I'll just name that. So. And with that, it's the most <laughs> Actually, I will plug this. Uh, Chase Strangio, who is a pretty public trans guy, he is doing trans Santa. So for for folks who don't have families or don't have that support system, he is working to get people gifts or services or support. And so that's also a tangible thing that folks with more resources might consider doing. And for any young people who might be tuning in, if you wish to be part of that, I think you can contact Chase and, and he'll work with you. Yay! Yeah. Train Santa. Yep. All right. Well, thanks, Jess. Appreciate it. Yep. Anytime. That's it. It's up to you now. Go forth and set your boundaries. Write your playbook. Forge your path. Take away from this Carmen and Tim's strength and experience and let it linger for you as you and your child craft how to do this next big thing. You've got this. And if you feel like you don't got this, first let me say that's okay. Bravery never feels brave. It always feels terrifying. And if you need any additional support for yourself or your child, please reach out. Camp Wildheart and our community of listeners are here to support you through this journey. So if there's anything we can do, please let us know. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram as Wild Heart Society. Or you can send us an email at camp at wildheartsociety.org. Every time I hear from a listener, I am thrilled. Thanks again to Carmen and Tim and Kindle for sharing their story and to Jess for continuing to help us all grow and remember the big picture. This might be a hard time, but it doesn't also have to be joyless. There are so many ways to celebrate your kid and let them know you see them and love them this season. Thanks again to you for joining us for camp. Be sure to subscribe for free to the podcast so you don't miss future campfires and give us a rating or review. Rating and reviewing the podcast helps other people find us. And we want to make sure that anyone who wants one or needs one knows that there's a bunk for them at Camp Wildheart. <laughs>